G'day, mate. What's your name? You know my name. My name's Ben Elwood. And what do you do, Ben? Uh, I sit in the internet, uh, sit in the library during the day, pretending that I'm not one of those people that sits in the library during the day. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome back to another episode of Crowdwork Cast. My name's Andrew Barnett. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this week's episode, I sit down with comedian Ben Elwood. Uh, now, I've known Ben for probably 10 to 12 years. Um, he's one of my favourite guys to bump into around the comedy scenes because he's always got an interesting take on things. He's one of those guys who's always a good conversation uh, backstage or side of stage or wherever you're chatting to him. Um, and this is no exception. This is a great uh, chat. I thoroughly enjoyed this. We went a little bit longer, but that's because we were just covering everything. Um, if you enjoy Ben's work, you can check him out. He is at Ben Elwood uh, Comedy on Instagram. That's uh, He's promised he's going to actually start feeding that feed. So, um interesting takes go there check him out uh, he's also got a podcast called thank god for david attenborough where he talks to scientists and uh talks uh basically uh all about the natural world and uh if you check out the mug off feed if you're a fan of the podcast the mug off um a recent episode uh he uh, did with jared mcgowan eric hutton uh they sat down with doug stanhope uh who uh all comedy fans uh probably know uh that's a really good episode Ch- check all those things out now, if you want to follow me, as always, Andrew Barnett Comedy on Instagram and Facebook and now TikTok. I'm starting to uh, populate that as well, so check those feeds out. Give me a follow. Uh, if you like the podcast, please do like, subscribe, leave comments, reach out, get in touch, tell me who you'd like to see me chat to and what you'd like to uh, see me ask them. Uh, now, if you want to come see me live, please do. Uh, Brisbane, May 6th, I'll be up there at the Underground Theatre for the Brisbane Comedy Festival. Those tickets are on sale now. You can check those out uh, if you go to either my website, Brisbane Comedy uh, Festival website, or uh, I will have a link in my bio of my Instagram uh, up very soon. So uh, check those out. Please do get tickets, Brisbane. I, um, I haven't been up there to do the Comedy Festival before, so I'm really hoping to get a nice full room for that one. Uh, Sydney, I will be doing two nights at the Enmore Comedy Club at the Enmore Theatre. They're May 20 and May 21 uh, as part of the Sydney Comedy Festival. So do please come out, uh, get tickets. Once again, those tickets available on my website or go to Sydney Comedy Festival website or I think the Enmore Theatre's website. So um, please do buy some tickets, come along and see me live, reach out, get in touch. Other than that, um, just enjoy this really fun chat I had with uh, Ben Elwood. So is this, because you and I were talking at a gig the other night, you're um, obviously a stand-up comedian, yeah. as people will have seen the intro I dropped in just then. Yeah. Um, telling him to check out your socials, which now uh, we've just been talking pre uh, pre rolling that you're now you're a you're a clips guy. You're going to put your stand up clips up, subtitling clips, and just how quickly I got sucked into. I must have pressed refresh. I haven't looked at Instagram once in probably nearly a year. Yeah, and then uploaded a clip today and was just constantly hitting refresh like the rat at the dopamine feeder. Oh, I got a new follower. I got a new like, and it's all with this thing of like oh i'm building an audience so this is necessary for my stand-up career but is it or is it just kind of feeding like a like a need or an an ego boost or whatever it is i don't know if it's 
I mean, it's obviously this part of it that is necessary or it helps your stand-up career to mm. get all that stuff out there mm. to help people find you because that seems to be how people find a lot of comedy now. Yeah. But I think the key is to post and then never look at it. Can you actually do that? I can pretty well. I maybe... So I'll post something and I'll maybe check once in the next but you got days. a family it's easier not to be so fucking self-obsessed when you got kids well and don't get me wrong there's times when i'm like i really like this clip i'll see how it's going and yeah. i do get drawn in but i've never i've never opened any of the social medias and logged off feeling better no like it's not good for my brain no no no, no. there's a reason i don't have a smartphone and i don't have the internet at home either and these are mm. all mechanisms it's, i put in so you get to know the librarian every <laughs> No, it occurred to me the other day. I was sitting at the at the library working on the computer, and everyone around me is just some woman sitting there clipping her fingernails. This other guy is just like, yeah, yeah. I'm like these fucking disgusting animals. And then suddenly realise, no, I'm here every fucking day. I'm one of these people. <laughs> yeah. This is terrible. That is, um, yeah. Well, there you go. There's your sitcom. <laughs> the guy that hangs out at the library. Yeah, that thinks he's better than everyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what you say is true. Like I've eliminated the internet in most quarters of my life because I know how bad it is for my mental health and mm. all that stuff. So it feels kind of dangerous to be going into, at this age, going into, oh, I'm going to start putting my stuff online and let people judge me. Yeah, that's. but I don't know. Like, it, it just seems to be part of the game now. Mm. But I think that that's where you just got to... Because at least we're aware of it at mm. our age mm. because we remember a time before that was what you did you mm. were online and you posted your life online whereas i think now kids you know a lot of kids coming through like that they, that's just part of life all the time so the context for no one liked this clip must mm. be much harder for them to deal with yeah. although they all seem to post plenty even if they're not being looked at so i don't know i don't know what the secret this has just turned into two old blokes whinging about the internet but that, but that, this is the fucked position that we're in because it's like I think it's demonstrably bad, all mm. of this stuff, this outsourcing of self-worth and kids putting their shit on the internet without any idea of what the consequence is. That I mean, I thank God every day that YouTube and the rest didn't exist when I was 20. My God. The shit that <laughs> yeah. would be out there. You know, like, Back when you knew everything. Oh, thank, I know. <laughs> and thank God that all of that is just lost to time. Yeah. Um, so but I think it's demonstrably bad. but but And so I think there's a lot to rail about, but... Because we're at the age we're at, if you start railing about it, you sound like old man shouting at clouds. So it's this weird kind of... Yeah, it is. If we're in a weird... We're generationally just in a weird position where we're not we're not young enough to have been part of that generation, the last generation that got their DVDs and mm. got their big hit from mm. a TV spot or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. But then um, too old to really have known how to harness the internet when it came along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is... I mean, that's not to say you can't learn. But then I think that that... One of the things I do, I like, I always try and find the positives in, in whatever situation. And I think one of the privileges that we have is that all those mistakes, especially early stand-up. Oh like God. I watch these. Sometimes now you see some very new stand-up comedians put their clip oh online, and God. it's even if it's fine for where they're at, yeah. you know that okay, in three years' time, that's going to mortify you because you're going to be a three-year better comedian. Uh -huh. Like all my early stand-up mistakes happened in front of a small group of people who happen to be there that night and then that that's it like As if i don't should. talk about them they don't exist anymore absolutely people uh, a lot of my friends around the time that i was starting were like can we come and watch you and i was always absolutely not and whenever they'd say why it was like if i 
started playing the violin. I wouldn't invite you over to my house to watch me go, like, I'm going to wait until I'm at least not ashamed of the output. Yeah. So that I don't, it's hard enough doing this without the, without eating shit, looking into the audience and seeing the faces of everyone, you know, with a frozen smile on their face going, ah, kick in. It's not that bad. Like, I don't need that shit. At least if it's strangers, I can walk away and I can, you know, lick my wounds and, and get on with it. But this idea of, yeah, putting it all out there when you're half-baked, I, I mean, I, I'm probably way too far on the end of not putting anything out there. Yeah. Maybe that's been detrimental. Who knows? Um, but yeah, this idea of, fuck, it's my second gig and I'm putting it on YouTube. <laughs> well, that's... Because I'm, I'm like you, I didn't I didn't want... Like, I, there was two blokes on... When I started comedy, there was two guys that yeah. knew, two mates. And they were guys that had come to comedy with me. And I'd talk to them. I'd talk to them through all my material. And one of them told me before the gig, yeah. he um, his pep talk to me was, "Look, you've you've written some good stuff. It's you've practiced. You're gonna go up. You're gonna go up there. Probably people aren't gonna laugh. Mm-hmm. And that's just stand up because he'd been around stand up. Which I tell that sometimes joke like as a story where I'm like, like, and people laugh at like, "Oh my god, can't believe your mate thought that was." But in reality, it's actually a pretty realistic. Pep it's talk. true. It's true. I mean, he was wrong. I crushed. But, um, <laughs> You crushed the first and the second time, but the third time, no, my second, God. Second time was, second time was, I think my second gig was at Laugh Garage. And I forget who was there. It was, there was an American comedian, young guy who worked behind the bar there for a bit, I think. Oh, yeah. I don't remember who it was, but he, um, I think he's since left the country, but he basically wasn't that interested. So he, it was the open mic night and he just went up there and because the, the audience weren't seated or anything yet he just goes oh welcome to the laugh garage it's the open mic night all right get ready for your first day didn't do any material because the audience was still following him so i had to go up while they're still sitting down it just died yeah, it like, your people, first you were second oh, people just confused by, what is he i missed the start of this <laughs> and then after me when everyone was seated he then he went up and did his opening yeah. bit i'm like and everyone else did fine and i'm like that's that was my first lesson in oh sometimes it's just not fair on the night. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that and then it's actually up to you to kind of uh read the aura of the room. I said that to a comic the other night. He got up and he ate shit and you could see he like his eyes when he was on stage, he was like, What the fuck's going on? This stuff usually crushes and he got off and he's like, Where did I go wrong? And I was like, Oh, you didn't read the aura of the room <laughs> And he goes, The aura of the room, you fucking hippie idiot And I'm like, Alright, whatever whatever word you want to use, the energy the yeah. vibe you didn't read and he dismissed me out of hand he was like you're crazy rah, rah, rah. but i i really believe that's and that's a, a a skill that you can't learn for years once you you have to get to a point where you can literally as you would in a social situation and i think we do it very organically yeah, yeah. when there's one or two people you you can find a you know vibe slide in do what needs to be done but it's different when it's a room and i think you just have to I don't know. It's it's nothing you can learn in a comedy class or some shit like that. You just have to do it over and over again. No, because you can practice as much as you want in the mirror. Um, mm. You can have your material down. You know how to execute your jokes. But if there's something weird going on in the room that's just even distracting attention a little bit or the audience are thinking you might acknowledge, mm-hmm. then 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 like it's it's there's a difference between that and t- like that and TV watching live Absolutely. and watching TV is you expect the comedian to 
they're, they're right there. Yep. They're asking you not to talk because they can hear you. Yep. So then when something happens, you've sort of got to acknowledge it. Absolutely. To, well, that's the way I approach it. There's guys that don't necessarily. Like, I mean, you look at your Luke Heggies or whatever. He, I mean, he even will. Like, if it happens, he's not going to go in the crowd and say, hey, g'day, dickhead. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 shut yeah. up. But he will. Like, he, there's a presence. Like, he's still present in the room. You have to be present. And you have to, there has to be some acknowledgement of the reality of the room, right? Like, you can't just hit play on the fucking tape recorder in your chest and yeah. go. I mean, I, I think that's what you do well, early on, right? Yeah, I oh, definitely. So, yeah. like, I've got to say the words. Because you've practiced it, and you've got to get the words right. It's yeah, all about yeah. making sure you're right, and you get the words in the right order. And yeah, you've got yeah, that, yeah. Which is important, too. Like, there's nothing... Nothing... Like, as much as sometimes watching a comedian who's starting out that's written their things and can't adjust to what's in the room, yeah. then... The, it's just as bad to see the guy who hasn't really prepared anything and is just up there like, hey, hey, what else, guys? Uh, That's yeah, so, <laughs> how dare you? No, <laughs> That's all I'm doing at the moment. You're, you're what? How long in now? Too long. It's embarrassing. Uh, this year will be my 18th year. Yeah. So you've you're drawing on a set of skills and a yeah. a lens through which you you look at the world, which you turn like turn things into comedy. Like uh, there's. People, like you, you have a very um, well. You you've got a, a point of view mm. that is probably over the time I've known you is your point of view is the same, but you've evolved. If you know what I mean, like you you still have this like approach to to stuff that's um, that's very different, and interesting. Mm. Mm. But you're not the same bloke I met probably 12, 10, 12 no, years ago. No, no, like, I calm down a lot. Yeah, yeah well, but that's. <laughs> But that's the thing, like it's like so you're going up there with drawing on experience. You know how to do comedy. You've got jokes there that if you need to, you yeah. can go to. And I've seen you do it, like where you'll go or you do that thing where you're you're in the room and something sparks yeah. a reminder of some a bit you've had or a thought you've got. Yeah. And you you're happy to explore that because you know how to get to a punchline from where you are. It's it's an inter- it's a it's a weird place at the moment because like I've actually lost a lot of my perspective whatever that was over the last year or more like my life's changed a lot and mm. so a lot of the things that i really would carry on about and really had staunch views on i don't anymore and so i'm having a real hard time writing because i don't know what i actually think about a lot of things anymore i've kind of hit this point and, and, and a lot of things i do th- know what i think and like who even gives a shit kind of and so you know especially since i got sober not off beer but everything else you know like my life is so different now Mm. and so my brain is really restructuring uh and i think it's probably got another year to go and so the idea of sitting down to write stuff is so difficult and it just seems more organic to get up with nothing and just be present and try and figure it out on stage and but i'm also starting to get to the point where it's like that's unsustainable you know you need to fucking write a bit but you're i think now and i might be wrong but from my point of when i see you get up where you i know you've got like you you're going you're looking for the stuff you do have thoughts about things like you it's more you've you've got a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff swimming around and it's almost like you're sparking off the audience yeah just trying to like trying to get something like that's that's what i want now i just i want them to throw me off course you know mm. i want them to say something that i can latch on to and then yeah. we can and find something out. yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, and that is fun about the writing on stage but that's where 
one, there's a massive difference between 18 years of experience yeah. and someone just starting out. Like, yeah. that's not advice I'd give to. Give to <laughs> just wing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how 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 far into doing it did you start to feel that you were doing anything worthwhile or that you were good? Because I think you go through phases, right? Early on, you have some wins, and you're like, I'm great. And then you level up, and you're like, whoa, I wasn't great at all. But like, is was there a moment where you're like, yeah, man, I'm, I, I, I fucking, I can do this. I, I've had a, f in the last year, I've had a few yeah. where, like, and it's things like corporates where I got off and go, oh, you know what? That was actually a, like, it wasn't just a, okay, that was a good corporate reaction. I was like, that was any yeah. gig, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, okay, I'm starting to work out how to get my stuff across to different groups of people and I can adapt. That's where I'm like starting to go, okay, well, I'm actually all right at this. Yeah. I have I have a lot of trouble. Like I don't, I, I like I didn't even ask to go on at the store for the first bunch of years mm. just because I didn't think, oh, well, I'm not ready. Like mm. I'm not, I have that um, imposter syndrome pretty like pretty bad which is better than the opposite right it's better than Dunning -Kruger. Oh. the Dunning-Kruger effect is the yeah, opposite yeah. of it that's fucking much worse yeah which is but so I think it's I think that I remember there was a time where I first got comfortable on stage and it was, yeah. uh, it was like maybe three and a half years in and I was yeah. at Starbar and of all the places but it was a good place Starbar was a great place to learn because and I've always said to um said to anyone that asked about like like you know how do you learn to MC? i was like well i learned to MC at Starbar, where the host the the guy that ran it didn't really care what you were doing as long as yeah. you plugged the other gigs like yes. you've got to plug the motown show yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. and so uh, he didn't care what you were doing so you could take big swings the audience were the most middle of the road audience yeah. who I don't know how he kept filling that room, but he kept filling that room and they were never coming back to comedy. That's exactly, that's exactly, it was one and done. Yeah, and then also you had the fact that it was so far off the regular comedy scene, yeah. like place to be, yeah. that you could really take some big swings and mess up without it having big consequences. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's where I remember learning to just go, okay, let's see what works. Like that gave me that freedom. But I remember being on stage there one night real early and just being like, halfway through my set and then just going like it was like i almost went i just talked to them and i breathed out and it just changed mm. like the you like i reckon if if there was a tape of that set which i'm glad there isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. that you'd see a different almost a different person start of the set to end of the set like it was Fuck like that yeah. realization i had in real time and i still remember to this day that feeling of having feel like i felt like i'd exhaled for the first time on stage totally there's a moment where you go from rigidly reciting your set and mm. needing to, and, and, and feeling like that's the win when oh, oh I landed all my jokes and they all got a big laugh and rah, rah, rah. but if some you know if a chair got thrown at me or whatever I wouldn't I, I wouldn't know what yeah, to yeah. do but when you when, when that 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 the, something levels up when you've got a level of comfort where I don't know I, I, I feel like when you're really on stage and it's you know when you walk out on a pedestrian crossing and it's almost like you feel like a, a force field barrier has gone up yeah you know and it's like no one could ever run me over and it's like well they clearly could yeah this Ab is the same bit of road that was very dangerous <laughs> a few seconds ago absolutely but here we are and I feel yeah. I'm fucking protected it's like that on stage there's some kind of something happens where you can fucking handle anything and it's the and for me, anyway, the moment I get off stage, that evaporates. Like, in a nanosecond, it's gone. Mm. You know, it's like, I don't even know how I was 
doing that. But that's when I feel like the real level up happens when it's like fucking, you know, I don't, I'm not just reciting a set. I can handle whatever happens and I can adapt to, you know, the, the group of really old people over here that might not want to hear me say cunt every third word. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, we, we, we did a gig the other night. There were three children in the front row. Yeah. Three fucking kids right in the front fucking <laughs> row. And, I'm, and I had all this disgusting shit that I wanted to say. And it's like, I can't say that. I'm going to be on a fucking sex offenders registry if I say that in front of these kids. So it's, you know, but that thing of just, instead of freaking out, instead of like, fuck, ah, and doing it anyway because I don't have anything else, you adapt, rah, rah, rah. I think that's some kind of leveling up that can only happen through time, right? Yeah, where you're almost, like they in the the Silicon Valley nerds say, make the bug the feature. Yeah. Where you go up on stage and you go, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the thing that's yeah. I'm not comfortable with. Okay, let's, you go from the point where you're like, I'm going to stay way away from the fact there's three kids there. Whereas now my instinct to be, well, I'm going to, I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about the fact there's three kids mm-hmm. here. I, I had a similar thing. Tahir and I were away a couple of weekends ago and a gig at this pub up in North Queensland. And, you know, there was a bunch of kids there and I'm just like, well, you weren't. And they were, the, the organizer was like, I told them it was adults only. And the parents <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so I just said to the kid, cause they're country kids. I said, how old are you? And he's like, Okay, so you know they say city kids grow up faster. Just get ready to do some catching up. <laughs> you're gonna learn some stuff tonight. And then that was it. And then I, so I just go, but even with the filthy stuff, I'd go back to him and just be like, you know, glad you're sitting with mum. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, but they love it as well. Yeah. It's this feeling of inclusion. Yeah, so, I, I started targeting their dad, and they were fucking hooting and loving it. Like I was roasting dad, so they were fucking on board with it. That's another thing I said. I said, oh, "I've got a twelve-year-old. I wouldn't bring him to see this, <laughs> but I'm a good parent." <laughs> it's like it's yeah, but that's the thing where they, and that's the like, it's it's funny because we were talking before we started rolling about the, the amount of clips now people look at the crowd work clips and that are online, where I don't know, kind of for me that's the. The joy of live mm. is that it, it doesn't all have to be, you know, like there can be something stuff that just happens in the room. It's not meant for anything else. I know, but that's like, that's the complete opposite of the way the culture's geared now. Everything is, and I'm, I'm completely, every, every show that I've ever run, the rule is no filming, no cameras. It's, this is yeah. just for tonight. It's just for this audience. You know, we had it, we had it. When we were doing Fight Club, we had an official photographer and we'd release certain photos just to give people an idea of like, well, this is right, a crazy fucking but, show. So just describe, just explain Fight Club and two, just before you do, that photographer that you had for that had the knack of taking the worst photos. But that was always me. the plan. He took thousands of photos. Oh. He'd always select the, the one where people look the worst. Like, and then you'd just be tagged and you'd just be like, oh man, is that what I look like? <laughs> Was, yeah, he'd always put filters on where you could see all the pores yeah, in your face. Yeah, but it was the grotesquery. It was the whole like carnival sideshow yeah, yeah. vibe of the night. It was just, it was just, uh, it was just a night where um, people. Uh, it's it's hard to even explain. It, it, it was a chaos night where people could do whatever they wanted. Uh, there was a lot of different elements in place. There was a voice of God microphone where comedians would come in and heckle over the top. Mm. There was a lot of audience interaction. There was a lot of uh, lighting effects and music effects and all kinds of just, it, it was a happenings. Yeah. And, it's, and, and again, you know, even so long after the fact, it's hard to describe because it was the definition of you just had to be there. Exactly. Something would happen and you'd describe it to someone the next day, you know, like, oh, a guy did a, a guy did a, pudding eating contest 
where he was the only co contestant and he ate all the puddings and by the end he was covered in fucking pudding and there was pudding all over the audience and everything. It's like, it's like describing a dream. You're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. But when you were there, it was like, this is the wildest thing I've ever seen. It was one of my, I only did it, I think, maybe a handful of times. But it was always fun for me, the challenge was, because I was so not the mold of that room. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I didn't have a, like, I don't think of things like doing a pudding eating contest and that, that sort of stuff. But then I'd get up and I'd, do my stand up and just it was always one of those ones okay i'm going to try and find a way to get this across to this yeah. audience and uh, the fear of the first time where i was like oh man these guys are going to hate me and and then you realize oh no they just they just want to be entertained like any other audience and they're open to hearing whatever okay this is your thing is it the biggest misconception of the room was that you had to be crazy it wasn't mm. that at all you just had to be truthful to whoever you were so I never got up. I mean, I, I was one of the guys that ran the room. I never got up and did anything crazy. I got up and just told stories and did what I do. Everyone just wanted you to be whatever you were without... The only thing that failed in that room was someone getting up trying to trick the audience, you know, with like inauthentic, something inauthentic. That's yeah. when everyone would start booing, like, get the fuck out of here. But, you know, a lot of people would get up and just do stand-up and crush. When it seemed manufactured. That's my, yeah. that's my other thing, is I'm trying not to... Because there's a temptation, I think, in stand-up where you try and almost chase the audience. There's another one down there. I'm, I'm going straight for it. Um, but you can chase... Like, if you're trying to go, okay, if you walk into a room and go, what do these people yeah. want? That becomes... That, I think, is where you... The dangerous route down to... You, and also, for me, then... Well, what was the desire to do stand-up? What do you what do you want out of this? Do you want to be famous? Do you want to or do you want to do stand up? Stand up, entertain people. But also, the fucking audience doesn't know what they want. That's mm. why they're the audience. <laughs> exactly. That's that is really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I mean, I half joke about it, but I'm kind of, I a lot of the time I have a lot of contempt for a stand up comedy audience. You know, I'm I'm kind of sitting up the back all of the time, just going. You fucking losers. Like, are, you, are, you, are, they, are you so bereft of laughter in your life that you got to pay us to fucking dance for you? you? Like, where are your funny friends? Where are your fucking crew that's making you crack up? Like, I, I, Mate, I, your, I your business acumen is <laughs> second to none, Ben. It's why 18 years in, I'm fucking nothing. But no, no, like, I, I don't, obviously, I, I don't believe that wholesale. But, you know, I don't believe in this idea of, you know, all the. Because I, I remember early on, I would all. When I first started. I was terrified of certain demographics in the audience. So if there was hot, a group of hot girls in the audience, that's terrifying because hot girls will hate me or, you know, whatever, a group yeah. of tough guys. And I was always wrong. That's I was always wrong. I couldn't, and, 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 and it, for the first year, it was like, what the fuck? I just got up and t told the most horrific story about masturbating for fucking three hours in the Broadway fucking public toilets. And these hot chicks that would normally cross the road to avoid me in life are cracking up. And it's like, oh, okay, there's something there's something I'm getting wrong here in terms of my assumption of what they want. I, I've always said if I spend too long with an audience before a show, that's why when, when it, like, you do a corporate or whatever and they're like, do you want to come and have a meal with us? I'm like, not really, not because I don't want to be shows, mm. but that then I, I, if I spend too long sitting with the audience or watching the audience before a show, I start to get in my own head and I like, look at that. Like he, 
he doesn't have any time for my yeah, bullshit. No, no. He's, he's not into me. Like, yeah. And it's no, it's just your insecurities you're projecting on someone else. And it's there's and once again, like you said, you get up, you do your stuff, and if you do it like authentic to you, then they either get on board or they don't. But most of the time, they get on board because they came. The biggest, I think, mistake sometimes I think com- like we make or audio like comedians can make is when they get an idea that the audience is bad or whatever, and it becomes like an us against them yeah, thing. Yeah, it's and a, it's like no, 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 they they came here wanting to have a good night. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. just got to find a way to yeah. to convince them they're having a good night. Absolutely, and I I've come to believe a, a lot that. It's not even about how funny you are, really. Like, I think what's going on is... (laughs) I think it's very primal and very ancient what is going on. I think people are actually... When it's really fucking popping, when it's really happening, people are reacting not with their human brain. They're reacting with some kind of primal brain where it's like what they're actually responding to is confidence authenticity someone who is holding the fucking room like i i often see it as you know you know you know when sometimes a comic gets up and they don't even realize why they're dying but it's like you're dying because your eyes are doing that or a trickle of sweat or there's a catch in your throat or something and it's not that people are going he's not funny and not laughing part of their primal brain has just gone i ain't following that guy into battle he's not a leader i can't i i i i i can't i cannot he is not the person to get us through this situation this and is, so they're withdrawing because they're like fuck like this is damaged goods this is the something that i've because people like I, when i've been asked by young comics like how how okay mc what do you want that I, I always say the thing they want most is just to trust you they just want to trust that it's go like and like no matter what you just if they if they come along wanting a good night if they think you're nervous they start to get nervous for you yeah which means they're not in a position to laugh well, because they're worried well, you you never want the audience to be present in their own minds mm. you know it's like sex if you're fucking there it's shit you got to be gone, and and you know it's the same with. You got to be it, reciting the yeah, <laughs> grand final lineups backwards, <laughs> otherwise you're gonna be gone. Let me tell you. <laughs> but it's like it's like flow. It's, you know, like we talk a lot about as performers as getting into the flow state. You're you're great when you're in flow, but it's the same for the audience. The audience has to be in some kind of flow state where they are not thinking. Oh, it's my job to get this poor cunt over the line. Yeah, he's fucking struggling, and I need to ha to make him feel good about himself. They need to be you know, not even aware that they are a person sitting in a comedy room and it's nine o'clock at night and we're watching, they're just in the flow of the moment. And if you're not achieving that, that's it. it the whole facade falls apart. That's, I think you're right. Cause I, I also think about that when, you know, when you watch a special, like you might watch your favorite comedian special on Netflix or whatever, uh, the best special in the world, you might laugh a handful of times mm-hmm, out loud. Mm-hmm in your lounge room but you know that if you were in the room that night yeah. you'd be going home with sore ribs yeah, 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 and yeah. sore out and like, it's because it's getting a bunch of people in the room in a room together that energy it's like an energy multiplier and you you do um, yeah, you get more like it's more than the sum of its parts absolutely, in a lot of ways absolutely which, which is why 
like I like I'm loving the fact that people are putting up like that crowd work clips have become a thing because you and I do a bit of crowd work, so yeah. that's that's now an option to us. Not that I've put up any yet because yeah. I just I, I whenever I look at them back, I'm like, oh, that was funny in the room, but it's not as funny now. But that's the reason it's because yeah. it's for the room yeah, that yeah, night, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. the irony of it. The main thing of getting put up of comedy now is the one thing that was the best in the room and won't necessarily translate no of course because there's like a secret like especially when you build a relationship with them there's this like secret language that can't exist outside of you know it's like a, it's like describing an in-joke that you have got with a friend just to, to someone who's not part of that in-joke they're like yeah mm. I can see how that's funny but I wasn't there for it you know that I was looking at a clip today so got like my last um, festival show I just got like my mate to just film it on this camera we're filming this with now and it's just getting cut up into a bunch of clips and i was watching the start of one of the clips that's later in the hour mm. um i do a bit of crowd work with this guy to get into the to a bit i mm. sort of use him to bounce mm. which i had been throughout the show mm. but the the actual bit i do i can't remember that what i what I actually said, but the oh yeah, we're getting a little yeah, storm shit. here at yeah. the uh, at the studio. <laughs> um, yeah, but so the, I'm watching like I'm watching it, and the, the this crowd work bit I did that wasn't that great, but got this massive pop yeah. from the audience. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's like so out of context. It looks like I've said something pretty lame, and this audience have all gone, oh, what yeah, a yeah, genius! Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But it's paying off three or four things that happened yeah, yeah, yeah. previous that I'm calling back to that. Which is why it's so much harder to get a good, good crowd work clip because some of the best things are the sum of, you know, a, a bunch a of different stuff that happens during the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you like how were you ever terrified on stage? And was that something you had to push through? And there was a moment where you were like, "Oh fuck, I'm actually comfortable up here." I've had a few where I've been terrified. I mean, the first footy club gig I did I was I was pretty new I was doing 35 minutes Whoa. which I didn't know if I had and I just well I knew I had that much but I hadn't really done that a whole lot yeah. and so I was I was scared on stuff but then that was where I realised there was a guy who said something earlier and I I just went him and then I realised I got that okay you get that vibe off the room. They yeah. they're liking this, so I just kept going harder at him, and then yeah, he's yeah. lighting up because I'm going harder of at course. him. And I'm like, okay, now I've grounded these guys. Now I get them on board with this, yeah. and if I keep going, and then I just had a few blo and then I could just then okay, if I frame this next bit around a comp, like if I sort of drag him into the bit a bit, it'll go better. And you know, like, but that was and that was early things. on. Yeah, it was probably three years in. Yeah, man. That's interesting. That to have that. But that was a survival, mind. a survival instinct. Yeah, but that's still presence of mind. Like I, I reckon I've only started feeling comfortable on stage like this year, or but, in the last year. You strike me though as someone who doesn't overly feel comfortable. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Don't take that the wrong way. But like you and you are. I flip between two extremes. Mm. Like it's either I'm the most comfortable person in the world, or I'm like crawling out of my fucking skin. But yes, continue. and but you go very quickly between yeah. those because yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. that where we're sitting in a green room or backstage or something, and you're very comfortable. You're talking, and then a few minutes before you go on, you're like, "What do we do this?" <laughs> and 
you're getting wound up. And that's when, in my head, I, I think I've said this to you before. I, I love watching you when you're just a little off balance. Like something puts you just slightly off balance. That's my favorite version of Ben on stage. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. That, see, that's, how, see that's, what, that's what I mean, though, that that isn't happening lately. Like I'm not... I'm not afraid when I walk on stage anymore. And that's very new. That's but, very unusual. That's only been the last like six to 12 months where I'm not up there feeling like I'm... Cornered. Cornered and that I'm running downhill with my arms tied behind my mm. back and I'm about to fucking fall on my face. Like I feel very relaxed on stage and that is... And I cannot believe that it took nearly 20 years to feel that feeling on stage. And offshoot of that, I can't believe that I stuck with it for as long as I did. Where for the most most of the time I've done comedy, it was excruciating. I hated it. It was excruciating. Really? I hated it. I was always in a fight or flight situation every time I was on stage. Th that is actually the perfect way to Horrific. describe how, you, like you you did, especially early on when I met you, like you'd been going long, longer than I had, but you had that energy of. Like, oh, we've got him in a corner. Like, the audience had cornered you. Yeah, yeah. You know, what do you want? What do you, like, you just, <laughs> yeah, like, I know. You just push it, pushing people. Like, you're almost like, um, you know, you've got a, like, you've got a torch and the villagers have gathered around and you're trying to yeah. scare them off. The Get away from me! Yeah, no, it was that. And it was this real sense of, you know, uh, I, I never felt in control and sometimes it would be great. But when it wasn't, I would just feel terrible because there's nothing worse than, you know... Like, I identified very early on, rage is not... I always thought when I was a teenager, rage and anger is powerful. You know, because I was a fat little shit that had no physical strength. And so when I launched into a tirade, people would get afraid, even though mm. I'm five foot six and no physical threat. And so as, you know, you, your maladapted brain goes, well, that's your way of being powerful. But a couple of years into comedy, I was like, ah, it's not powerful at all. It's such a sign of weakness when you're freaking out and yelling at people and rah, rah, rah. You are, a, you're, the, you're, the, you're the, you know, those fucking chihuahuas, you know, they're, they're like biting yeah, people's yeah. hands. They're, you know, they're not powerful at all. You're they're the fucking, yappy little dog. The yappy little dog, weak little shit. And so whenever that would happen on stage, I would just feel terrible for days. And I think a lot of the reason that I stopped doing comedy because it was very bad for me for a long time and then when I came back this time, my biggest fear was like, fuck, I don't, I just don't want to be that fucking guy anymore. Out of control. What, I, what I've noticed in the, the last few gigs we've done together and just since you've, you have come back, because you did stop for how long? Two did years. You, two years. Yeah. And that, but since you've come back, <laughs> you are, I don't know, you're more, almost, your material's a little bit more contemplative. Like you, yeah. you're, it's not the, it's not quite as sh ranty, but it's interest asking interesting questions. I think there's also something to learning how to. <laughs> it's learning how to call the crowd a bunch of cunts in a loving way. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a knack to abusing and roasting the crowd and having them love you for it and it was something that I could do in the past but I never knew how to do it it was always just a fluke when it would work you, you know what I think it is and I might be wrong on this but when you're doing that at your best you have a vulnerability yeah. where you are it's not you judging the crowd you are part of the crowd and absolutely. aren't we all like this absolutely where and that's where you 
you're you're not putting yourself up above here like you go aren't we all like and that's that vulnerability lets you then because they're like yeah oh man he's not judging me he's showing me his weakness which i i identify with and then yeah yeah yeah. because i think everyone you know i don't think you can there's there's not a heap of people that just sit there and go no no the world's perfect (laughs) you know what i mean like well they're the insane people right (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely about reveal like you know yeah because a lot of young younger comics are like oh i abused the crowd and they hated me but when you do it, they like you. And it's like, well, you didn't see the 10 years where they hated me doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. First of all. But second of all, it's like, well, you didn't, you weren't, There's there was nuance. no vulnerability to you. You know, like, uh, if you're going to launch into the audience, you have to, like, every second or third joke ultimately has to fucking come back to you being the piece of shit. You yes. Know? And if you set that, I mean, it's, it's, it's the oldest fucking trick in the book. You know, like, I, I've, I've been going out and doing this two-minute bit about being bald and, like, basically finding the hottest guy in the room and just attacking the shit out of him for being hot and how dare you fucking exist when I look like this and rah, rah. And it's... I mean, it's, it's it's like the pulling the coin from behind your ear magic trick. It's, it's real basic shit. But it sets up this dynamic where it's like, I see... I, it's, I've seemingly debased and humiliated myself. But everyone knows, not really, because... I'm laughing, I'm smiling, you know, there's a character. Yeah, yeah. Anyone that is doing this clearly isn't so self-conscious because they couldn't even be standing in front of this many people humiliating themselves like this. So, but it then gives you the license to, you know, launch into people in the audience and give them shit. And but rah, also rah, rah. from everyone else's perspective, you've got one guy who's feeling really good about himself because <laughs> you're singling, singling him out for being good looking but everyone else like everyone has that vulnerability where you like go that. I was feeling pretty oh fuck I mean, look at that hot prick <laughs> and then and then the irony is it's always the hottest person that always feels the most self-conscious yeah you know, exactly so he feels it more than anyone but yeah it's a it's it's like a, it's, it's an interesting back to what I was saying before just about feeling comfortable on stage I think that's a big part of it in the past when I would do well it would feel like a fluke like I didn't know how I did it and now yeah. I feel comfortable and it's like, oh no, I understand the math of what's going on. I understand why what I did works and how I... like. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... There's a big difference between being in control yeah. of... You, you want them to laugh, but you want to know why they laugh. Why they laugh. The downside of that though is, I don't know if this is something you've experienced, but the downside of that has been I don't get high off the gig anymore. Like I don't walk away buzzing and like holy fuck i did it and and you know i can't sleep because i'm just so overwhelmed i crushed you know it's like it's kind of sad but beautiful at the same time where it's like the moment i walk off stage it's over it's just done like party's over i don't feel any elation but it just means that the present moment of being on stage is so fucking like it's that's, so that's vital you the know? beautiful thing of it though that's that that is sort of for me part of the appeal of stand-up is you can do it one night and then you walk off you feel great and then okay there's no guarantee the next night you're gonna walk off feeling great but it's i think i've yeah i'm trying to think of where where when i've had those sort of feelings where you just like i still get the i still get 
you know, if something goes really well where I didn't expect it to go well, yeah. I'll still get that. Yeah. But then also now I'm much more, I try to be much more conscious of what am I looking to get out of this gig? What am I looking forward to? Sometimes for me, um, if I'm doing a gig, what I'm looking forward to most is getting those la- and then sitting back on my lounge at home <laughs> at the end of a night's work yeah. with everyone in bed and I'm, you know, I've got a, I know I could just have a whiskey and watch some cricket that's on overseas somewhere <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. just go, okay, this is, it's it's done. Like, and not, and just be like, you know, I just, I can't believe, like looking around the house and just going, I can't believe some of this is paid for with just stuff I thought up. <laughs> that, that little, yeah. little, like victories. And some, some gigs, it's not even for me now. It's not even, you know, okay, I don't, it's not about, what I cry, okay is it I want to learn something is it I want to um, run something new is it I want to get like some gigs are, are money gigs yeah of course do your so, fucking job yeah it's it's part of the, the job and you don't uh-huh. and when you really enjoy those gigs that's when you're like oh this this is the bonus like yeah. I, I've got a job that just paid me well and I I really enjoyed it that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great uh, great like victory in life not everyone get not most people don't get that no so that's that's for me like that's sometimes now i just go okay well what do i actually want out of this gig especially mm. when you're doing like unpaid spots and like okay i want to see if i can get this material over to this you know so you go into every gig with some kind of like i try objective. and have some sort of objective that's interesting like, so then i can walk away going well you know what i didn't you know maybe i didn't crush but now i know more about that bit i'm working on that's interesting see i gotta fucking adopt more of that mindset i'm so fucking like whatever yeah (laughs) it's literally like it's because people like you know i when i say that it sounds like i'm doing it from a work ethic point of view it's literally a mental health point of view right where otherwise like if i if i go to a just to try new stuff in to you know in the room and then there's a bunch of you know guys that have been not as established in comedy that are all doing much better than my new stuff did that gets in my head but if i'm (laughs) conscious of the fact that you know what? I'm not here to run my. Go- I could, because you know that feeling where you go up and you go, "Oh no, I know what I, I, I know I've got old jokes that oh, I can roll I out that'll do well." Oh, I know. But I what do. am I getting out of that? Mm. Oh, I, yeah, no, I, I can't, I, I can't do it. I can't do old stuff. When I came back, I swore I would never do an old joke again. I can't, I just can't fucking. Say Is that the words. that different person feeling? Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, I cannot. I cannot overstate <laughs> the effect that being a, 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 a daily drug addict all through your adult life and then not being one has on your consciousness. It is huge. And I knew, I, like, I, I, I knew theoretically when I stopped that it would be huge, but not in the way that it has been. It is so fucking full on. Because people are like, oh, you'll get more clarity. And it's like, ah, that's that's not really what happens. Well, that- also, I mean, clarity comes in, in certain form, like in yeah, many forms. absolutely. And sometimes the reason you were doing those drugs is to avoid that clarity. Like, do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. Like a lot of, I, the way I just, because a lot of people say um, to me that, like, you know, the big assumption is that comedians are all smart. Mm. Well, you got to be smart to be a comedian. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> hang around with some comedians. Not, not a prerequisite, yeah. as it turns out. And there's different definitions of smart. Yeah, I well, mean, there's a lot of intellectually smart comedians, but their life skills are fucked. But that's 
but that's the, what I like. How I'd say it is no comedians are generally people with busy brains. Mm. It's that brain that keeps tick, keeps tick, tick. tick ticking when everyone else, like when other people have been able to stop thinking about yep. whatever it was. Which is how you find mm-hmm. the angle, the joke, whatever you're picking at the thread. Yeah, mm. which is also why with some comedians there there is that yeah propensity towards you know things that numb that to just to help you sleep yeah absolutely we say as we're having a well yeah i mean i mean you know th- alcohol was never a huge thing for me and and uh i've got to watch that because you know the propensity to fucking indulge is still there mm. but um you know it, so i haven't gone completely straight edge but um you know i was a a, a daily drug user for my entire adult life and so the idea of just stopping that and I had no idea that what would come of all so that. So pot and the was mostly phases. your drug, though. Yeah, pot was the pot was the constant throughout the entire time. But I mean, God, over the years, it's been everything. It was everything, you know, other, other than heroin and other than heroin. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> other than heroin, I used to have an end for that. <laughs> I was about to say, and meth, but no, there was a meth phase. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, there was everything, like, over the years. So you weren't even, it wasn't like, you know, you were like, I like downers, I like, you were just like... I loved I it like, all. I was just wow. like fucking, you know, I... I and, and the problem with me was that I, for the first uh, five years, six years, there were no discernible consequences. I didn't have a come down, I didn't have a fucking bad trip i had nothing it was just fucking fun and it was awesome and i was seeing fractals and i was having religious experiences and on and on and on and you keep going and you keep going and eventually you know it's i I was saying to someone it's like you know at first it's like consequence free and then maybe six years in it's like uh it's kind of like a game of russian roulette there's a bullet in the chamber, yeah. but still, you know, five out of six times, it's going to be great. It's worth it's worth the the sixth time where you blow your brain. So it's a risk. And as each few years goes on, it's like another bullet's in the chamber, another bullet's in the chamber, and by the end, it was a fully loaded gun every time. It was just horrific. But you're so uh, in the lifestyle and 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 addicted, and your entire sense of self is based around doing this. That like. You know, the, the devotion that you have to that lifestyle transcends everything. And that's another interesting thing about coming off is realizing how much of your life is structured around the getting of the thing and the doing of the thing and the dealing with the whatever. And then think every everything, you know, everything becomes about that, you know, mm. to the point where you're not present in your own life at all but you think that you're very present because yeah you're feeling so much all the time and you know and and i've been off it all long enough now to know to understand what i've lost from that you know and there are things that there are aspects of it that i definitely miss but i tell you man the day that i stopped i haven't had a craving you know i'm not one of these addicts former addicts where it's like Oh my God, one day at a time, one day at a time. It's, I'm good, man. <laughs> like, I'm real good. I don't need... Played that game. Now I'm done. I'm fine. Like, ne- just nah. And, and you know, and and a lot of people have said, asked me along the way of like, you know, do you have any advice, you know, to, uh, to someone that's a user or a drug addict or whatever? And it's like, 
Not really, other than bottom out so hard that it's either stop or be institutionalized. I, 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 don't, I don't know what other, I don't know what else to tell you. Like I hit a, 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 a bottom and didn't realize there was like five or six bottoms under that bottom. It just kept going doo, 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 until it was like, you know, whatever sane, rational part of my brain still existed was like, bro, stop now. Stop now or, or you're not coming back. You know, it was kind of, it was equivalent. I, I guess the, the mental health equivalent of when someone has, I don't know, like a heart palpitation or something and they're like, mm. you can keep going. But in a year, your heart's going to explode and you'll die. Yeah. It was the mental health equivalent of that. It was like, you can keep going, bro, but in six to 12 months, you're not returning. You're going to go into a mental institution and you're going to lose whatever. It just stopped becoming funny and cool and interesting. And it was just awful all the time. Um, and so stopping was easy. But then it's almost like you've got to rebuild yourself atom by atom out of that like who am i as an adult human being without all that stuff well one of the and it's interesting you touched on it is that how much of your life structured around mm. that that lifestyle is the i think one of the things i've sort of noticed is one two things people need is just purpose and a bit of structure yeah that's, absolutely that's what we okay that helps you day to day you don't have to it Everyone goes, oh, imagine just having the freedom to just get up it in the sucks. morning and be able to do whatever you want. No, you you don't want to start every day with a blank tape. Absolutely. Like, it's the blank sheet of paper <laughs> as a writer. That's the scariest thing. The more you do, the more you do. The busier yeah. you are, the more you get done. Seriously. And so that, then that, how, how did you go sort of putting structure back in, like filling that structure with more positive structure? I always had, well, not always, but the seven years or whatever before I quit I had a lot of structure mm. the, the, the other curse that I had was beyond just the oh consequence free for the first few years was that I was really good at drugs <laughs> 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 like a very functional yeah in quotation marks drug addict you know like I could I could hold down multiple jobs I could be an incredibly responsible this is member the of society, all these things. Because I, I've sort of known you for however many years now, probably 10 years. And through that time, I would have said, I probably would have said, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I know Ben, you know, likes pot or likes mm. drugs or whatever. But at no point would I have ever noticed, like, thought that it was that debilitating. You know what I mean? Oh, dude. Like, when I was Because you did present very functional. Because yeah, you yeah, come yeah. to a... And you were... You were you you're good comic. You ran rooms. You had like you had cohesive ideas. There yeah, was like yeah, yeah, yeah. there was that functionality. It was when I was alone that it was. And you know, again, it was just incremental. It's these things where you don't even realize what's happening, and then suddenly you're waist deep in shit, and you don't you didn't notice when you were ankle deep yeah. or knee deep, but suddenly you're waist deep, and it's like oh fuck, okay. Uh, you know, I, I can move through this. It, it, it got, it just got incrementally. The last two years was, to be honest, it wasn't that bad the whole time. It was probably the last two years, and maybe even COVID is what kind of, you know, precipitated. I like really brought it to the fore, where it was like, holy fuck, it's right there, and you can't avoid it anymore. You got to stop. Um, but 
you know, I was I was very good at it. I, I could be on three tabs of acid and cook you a three course meal and you wouldn't even know that I was tripping. <laughs> Seriously, insane. but it was that kind of thing where it was just like, oh, you know. And on one hand, that's funny and great and everything. On the other hand, it's terrible because you don't, you know, so many people are like, oh, I'd never do that again because I went to the supermarket and shat my pants and it was the worst moment of my life. And it's like, oh, that never happened to me. Like, I never. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, mate, I've got heaps worse moments than that. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. No, I was, I was amazing. Like, I could fucking, I could, I, you know, I could do anything on it. You know, I'll tell you stuff off air. I don't want to get in trouble. But, yeah, no, no, no. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was, that I wasn't, like, I look at these people that, get blackout drunk and vomit all over themselves like you fucking amateur what the fuck's wrong with you like <laughs> you're a disgrace like See, i've been to the opera on four tabs of acid and no one fucking knew like what the <laughs> fuck have some dignity um but so but, but that ends up becoming this thing where it's like i'm great at this and there are no consequences um and also you end up doing everything somewhat high and so when you come out of it you are well, how do I watch a movie sober? How do I have a conversation? So how do I do a gig not mm. sober? And I think a lot of the, I was talking to the great Dan Rath about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, was, I was talking to him about how I'm not nervous on stage anymore. And I was like, I just can't figure out why I'm not nervous on stage anymore. And he's like, it's because you were playing on hard mode. You were, you were, <laughs> you were stoned every time you went on stage and now you're not. And it's easy. It's like, oh yeah, there's probably something to yeah, that. Yeah. Huh? There's probably something to not that fucking beautiful... feeling paranoid and fucking like, Ugh. Yeah, that beautiful wrathy perspective. Yeah, of course. Oh, the logic, of course. Yeah, yeah. You're not stoned. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's true. And so do you find now like your, like obviously your perspective on life's a bit different. Yeah, really different. But is, is that like, is your instinct because there's there's two types of comics that like any like there's there's guys who write like any trauma they like are beautiful i'll mm. write that and then you know you, there's a great festival show and yeah, you know yeah, yeah. your battle with everything's whatever. content yeah or, or is it still at the point where you're like i don't know this isn't funny to me yet i'm still processing it all man like it's still it's been what what is it in in uh, this month in March it'll be a year and a half which yeah. is wild that's fucking crazy like anyone that really knows me when they hear that I haven't taken any drugs for a year and a half like dude that's fucking that's fucking nuts um but I reckon it's another year before I've even really processed all this this is yeah. it's it's because there were so many phases along the way like the first couple of months it was basically you know like the the blanket over your head. no i wasn't itchy that that was the crazy thing there was not because people now people are like oh congratulations man and it's like i know intellectually it's an achievement but i don't feel like i can take credit for it because like i say there has not been a minute in that year and a half where i'm like yum, 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 yum. I, oh, I, oh, how good would it be i want it like, I, i'm i'm good I've never smoked a cigarette in my life and I've never had a desire to smoke a cigarette in my life. Yep. And all of the drugs are in that category now. Like I've been around people smoking joints and everything and it's not like, get it away from me. There's none of that. Or I need to leave the room because I'm going to be tempted. It's like, you know, someone will go, do you want? And it's like, all good, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I, 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 I haven't got a, I, I'm not afraid of it, but it's like, I... 
I had a moment. I had a, I had a, I had a pretty extensive surgery at the beginning of last year that put me in bed for 10 weeks. Oh, geez. It's fucked up, dude. Uh, and I was on a lot of pretty heavy-duty painkillers and about four... And all I was doing was fucking lying in bed watching shows. I couldn't mm. do anything else. Uh, and about four weeks in, you know, he starts. And he's like, how good would it be to smoke a joint and have a bath? be pretty good and I had some in the house like I never didn't have something it was right I could have done it at any moment and I was like it, that would be nice but it goes one of two ways either it's so fucking good and here we go again that the whole fucking saga continues we're, we're back at square one the the five months that you've been so you're also just... back at square one with six more weeks to spend in bed exactly and you know and and six more weeks of you know if it's really good we'll here we can be blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah. like um and 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 that and this and this five months of sobriety that no prior version of you could even have imagined achieving is just pff, nothing and we inevitably end up at the same end point that got us here in the first place where it all turns to shit or the back of your skull falls open and all the fucking demons rush back in and you know you're fucking uh, freaking out either option and is, you're stuck in bed for another six weeks exactly yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> exactly with your own fucking uh, so either option is a disaster but I didn't go like no it wasn't this it's not this like yeah, we know a couple of former addicts mm. where they've become very kind of like Pentecostal about it. Yes. You know, and it's almost like they're trying to convince their own self that then, you know, why would anyone do that? And it's like, you know very well why people do it because <laughs> it's yeah. fun. Because uh, it doesn't start with where you end up. Exactly. Either. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's fun and games and then it turns terrible. But it, I was like, so I didn't completely dismiss and I went, you know what? I'll sleep on it. I won't completely say, no, I'll sleep on it. And I woke up the next morning and it was like, nah, dude, I'm good. Yeah. I'm fine. And that was the only time I had any kind of, I wouldn't even call it temptation, just the idea. But beyond that, so uh, I, I maybe lost track with what I was saying. So yeah, anyway, the first the first three months off, it was kind of like, oh God, oh, like recovering from 20 years of just smashing my brain in the head. And then five months in I like lost my personality completely I just became this complete blank slate where I just didn't even know who I was anymore and that was really scary this is this is I think something we underestimate massively is the power of identity like self-identity you build your identity over time mm -hmm. as, a, as a person and this is where you see people who work for a long time and then you know you hear about people that retire and then they're depressed yep because their identity was around what they did. Of course. Or, um, and then you see why people, like people who've had nothing go into, the the, the whole, like any sort of radicalization, whether it's religious, racial, whatever, is all around having an identity mm -hmm. to, to fit in and mm -hmm. a group and you where you feel who you are, you're sure of who you are and what your worldview is based on that. Mm. So if you've built at that point you'd built your identity for 20 years around being party guy Ben mm -hmm. how, did, how did you go about rebuilding that like you, well I'm still in the middle of it I'm still in the middle of it it's like I don't know it's it, I, I'm still processing it all because it's like because I wasn't even 
a party guy. Like I would party with friends, but most of it was solo, you know, and most of it was kind of linked up with all this weird, like cosmonaut fucking psychonaut <laughs> bullshit of like, I'm exploring other realms and I'm getting in touch with my spirituality. And I think that there is, I think, I don't think all of that can be dismissed. I think there's a little bit of truth to it. Like I've had, yeah, it was really the early on ones. You know, I, I had revelations and, and, and experiences on particularly, you know, like say magic mushrooms or something like that, that I think profound, a, a, a beautiful and profound. And even if they are just, you were tripping, it doesn't matter because they, they changed my entire perspective yeah. on life in a, in a really positive way. You know, this feeling of connection or this feeling of infinite love. I mean, I remember the first time I was on mushrooms and sat in front of a tree and just started crying from joy. And it was like, my brain was like, what is this? What is this emotion crying from happiness? Like, this is crazy. You know, just weeping, looking at a tree. And like, you know, I think I think the beauty or the, or the Moorishness of those experiences is you are returned to a childlike sense of wonder for reality in the universe. And that is beautiful. It's beautiful. You know, you, you're a child and everything is amazing. You know, basically kids are on MDMA all the fucking time. You know, oh, yeah. look at this leaf. Everything's new. Everything's awesome, you know? And then you hit adolescence and everything shit. You know, it, it, it's the response. It's the come, adolescence is the come down from childhood. And then you, you know, you get spat out of high school and you've got the same mentality. You know, uh, year six kids are like the king of the school, right? But yep. then they get smacked down three months later when they go to high school and it's like, no, you're a fucking child again. But when you come out of year 12, you've got that year six mentality, but you spat into the world and nothing really smacks you down. So you spend your 20s going, I fucking know everything and I fucking know, and you know nothing. And maybe deep down, you know, you know nothing, but you think you know everything. And so I think if, you've, if you're not prone to uh, schizophrenia or real bad mental health issues, I think these experiences can be very beneficial because they return to that childlike wonder where you're like, oh, cl clouds are actually amazing and trees are amazing. Um, you know, I remember when I, before I ever did a hallucinogen, I used to sit there looking at clouds going, why can't I see faces in the clouds? I want to see patterns and castles. And, and then I would look at a cloud and be like, you know what? The clouds, it's enough. It's just a cloud and clouds are awesome. And it's easy to laugh at all that shit because it's all cliches. and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But when you really feel it, it's fucking powerful. And to feel part of what is this? Um, and so you, I think you chase that feeling on and on and on and on. The problem is that the more you do it, they can only teach you so so many things before you're just kind of like a junkie fucking chasing a feeling. Also, you get the lesson the first time and then yeah. your job is to keep the lesson. Your job is to apply the lesson. Is to is to what did you learn and how do you integrate that into your life going forward? Mm -hmm. uh, my problem was that I just got addicted to the lesson. And, and so all of it was wrapped up in that, you know, it wasn't. And, and, and so it's only a few months after stopping where I could actually reckon with the fact of like, you're a fucking drug addict, dude. <laughs> you know, like, which you're is, a drug addict. Which is, it's, it's an interesting way to then reframe your, who you were. Mm. Because you, the, 
because self-perception's hard. You you don't know like we all like to see ourselves through certain lenses, yep. and then you know sometimes when you get a glimpse into oh who you might be seen as by the world, it it becomes very it can be quite confronting. Which is why mm. I think you know you see you see men's rights guys mm. or anything that kicks back on you know that whole um that that whole toxic masculinity guys that don't don't feel it's it, it's hard because you know in your head you don't feel like you're ever a threat to any yeah. female in a room yeah. but then you don't know how they're perceiving you because you're 30 kilos heavier than her and you're like you're not you're you're not in that same headspace you're not aware of how she's perceiving you so then it's very easy when you're confronted with that to then sort of be taken aback like, what, what, all this bullshit none of it's real what, rather than sometimes it's a case of okay that's not who I am I'm I don't have to feel but I've got to be aware that yeah. how I'm perceived is, is different absolutely I remember I remember a guy railing about some, something came up about you know if you're if you get off a train at 10 o'clock at night and you and some lady are the only people to get off the train and you're walking behind her on the street, cross the fucking road, yeah, and and walk ahead of her so that she doesn't have to fucking be like, holy fuck, there's some dude behind mm. me walking behind me. And I remember hearing some guy like, well, I'm not that fucking guy, and I'm I refuse. And it's like, bro, don't maybe don't don't make this thing about yourself. No one's implying that you're also, that guy. It's about this person's comfort in this moment. Also, like, you don't have to. You don't, you don't have, have to. to do it, but just be aware that. Like when she crosses the road, it's because she doesn't have any clue who you are. You yeah, just that, it's not about you personally. And there's a bunch of shit in her past that might absolutely be, that might be making her cautious. So you just that, that's where, like, yeah, if you're and you don't have to care, but it's, the question is, if you do care, this is something you can do to make a person maybe feel mm. more comfortable. And don't you want to just make people feel comfortable, regardless of your own fucking ego? Like, being even if you, into even it? if you don't. Don't just don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Just because someone's expressing a, a view, yeah, like yeah, yeah. this is what you can do. Why well, should I have to do that? Well, no one's saying you have to do yeah, that. It's Obviously, not legislation, brother. It's not a law. <laughs> that's it. That, that's that. Um, that's one of the things that frustrates me with that with the online discourse. Is it's so well, like yeah. one thing or the other. You can't just. Well, there's no nuance. There's no subtlety to any of it. Well, that, but that, but that's the, that's the, that's the poison of the internet. That it's, 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 it, it, it's not a medium that is geared towards nuance. It's hot takes, no. it's memes, and it's all the rest. And the, and the problem is we're, we're in the, we've got these issues that are all about nuance, you know, Massive. And, and everything's reduced down into some kind of forward catchphrase or chant, which you know, if you start linguistically pulling it apart, it's just horse shit, you know. We were talking about one earlier. We won't mention what it was. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's... It, I, the These conversations are difficult and, you know, it takes a lot of kind of self-reflection as well. And I think we're definitely in the age of, like, there's the celebration of ego and the celebration of self as well and never seeming weak or never seeming yeah. vulnerable or whatever it is. But it's, um, you know, and I get it. It's fucking hard, you know? I, I used to advocate for people to everyone should dig deep and not lock their issues in a box and rah 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 and now I'm like you know what for some people maybe just lock your issues in a box and also, hope that you die before the box bursts open <laughs> yeah also like I, I think 
My my big concern is when that that let your issues out becomes a contest for who's the like once you start making victimhood a currency. Yes, I think we're moving down the wrong road because that's not a and it's not anything because and I ha, I'm hesitant to say this because it does I do sound a bit Andrew Bolt or Miranda Devine by saying that but what the view I'm coming from is when I've seen people who's uh, perpetual like they become victim and that becomes part of, then 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 you lock yourself in a cycle where you get yourself in situations where mm. once again you become the victim mm. and it's not it's not a fulfilling or happy no. way to live your life there's no, no like this idea that you, we empower victims is the the, the the thought behind it should be we empower victims by making them not victims Absolutely. anymore rather than like look at like putting fetishizing some, victimhood yeah and but but i think what's happened is like i'm all up i i i, I think which that, is why sorry we see guys like our age whinging about oh it's so hard being a white man it is but it's hard being anything in life it's life so is being hard alive, man being alive is <laughs> yeah. fucking and we've got good lives yeah exactly you know what i mean i'm at a point where it's like i got a fucking on the, on the scale of human lives that have ever existed i'm in the oh, top dude. fucking five percent you know if you've got a fucking pillow and a doona you're doing better than most human beings that have ever existed in the history of humanity ever 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 dude access to indoor plumbing Bro, if you, if you can shit and press a button and your shit's not there anymore, <laughs> that's a win. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like we're, we're, we're so up here, but, but and, and even still, you know, just the, 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 the notion of being a, a living fucking human with, with, with self-awareness is crippling. It's so fucking hard, you know, and like, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't want to die right now. I'd like as many great fulfilling years as I could have, but the fact that this is over one day is incredibly reassuring. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a, I, I, I'm, I, I'm actually, good. Like, I don't want to be like, I'm, I, about I, I, that I can't do this forever. Self, Like, it's like this thing, oh, like you, you might be like, we, we might be the last generation to die. Oh, like, fuck oh, that. Good. Like, cause I don't know what I'd be like. The part of the, joy of life is that it is it's finite and you've you've got to just make what you can of it at the time and i don't know maybe we come back maybe we disappear into nothingness maybe we, I, I don't know but it can't just be the same thing forever i just i hope it's nothing dude you hope it's nothing. i hope it's nothing i really do like i used to well, actually i don't i've never had I, I'm, I'm one of the very lucky people that was raised in an incredibly agnostic household so it wasn't even like there's, there's God or there's nothing. It was just like I don't know. <laughs> like, what, who knows? I, t I tend to think there's something. Is my instinct? Um, I think there's something, but I think that it it is not. I think is not human consciousness. Like this idea that you die and you float around the you like so much of me is my anxieties and my self-loathing and all the rest does that carry over am i in heaven fucking hating myself because that's not heaven so but and it, and then if you take it's those, heaven for me <laughs> watching, <you. laughs> watching me in on the cloud <laughs> yeah. fucking <laughs> but if you take all those things away from me then am i me anymore not really so what is the essence of me that survives and i i just don't think that i think you i think that maybe there's some kind of 
universal energy. And I talked before about those those hallucinogenic revelations, and that was that was the revelation. It was the the, the I often describe it to people of like it's like every atom in my body remembered everything that had ever been all at once, and it was like you know the 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 five billionth atom in my pinky fingernail was once a oak tree and this was a fucking dinosaur which is true that's all yeah, yeah. true you know but it's like that it's that feeling of the collectivism of your being of that you were and have been and always will be everything all at once and then i think that your consciousness is just a byproduct of that and your influences and your genes and all the rest and i think when you die your uh, atoms go blah, 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 and become everything else but yeah, I think your consciousness goes anyway that's what I pray for now I, I don't want to exist beyond this that's I, yeah I, I I I am at the point where I don't like I don't know because I know that all that the, the physics of it all mm. that, just the whole if, if we're matter and energy mm. neither of those things can be created or destroyed mm. They can just change states. Mm-hmm. So you got to go somewhere if that's what we are. But what that is, but I've become in the last few years, I've become quite comfortable just going, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. I'll be scared at the time probably because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because it's not really for me to understand. It's, it's something... Something's running this universe. I don't know what it is or whether it's just a bunch of random events, but there's nothing I can do. Whether I know the answer or not, there's nothing I can do about it. So, Well, yeah, so, I mean, it's all just fucking... It's all just uh, conjecture at the end of the day. But when you say you, like when you're like, you have to go somewhere, are you talking about the like you as a body or you as a no, mind? No, just a bunch of... The, if I'm... If my mind is a bunch of electrical sparks going off yeah. as... As, uh, as the result of a bunch of chemical reactions sure all that stuff has to exist somewhere whether it reforms as whether parts of it reform as me or it's whether it's on parts of a bunch of new consciousnesses yeah, or whatever yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all getting all mystical but then who <laughs> but do you know what I mean like at a certain point like you can get all hung up on it but then you're like well it's happening well, it's yeah, gonna I mean, happen. It's, yeah. Like, what's the alternative? You hang around here forever, as some, like, or they find a way to make you eighty-six for the rest of your life. Oh, like, just well, hideous. Or even, but, but the alternative where people talk about, like, oh, you'll be reunited with your family in heaven. I can't imagine anything fucking worse. Are you fucking kidding me? An eternal family dinner? Are you out of your fucking mind? See, I like my family. <laughs> but, um, no, but the, the eternity other is a long fucking time, man. But the other thing is, you go back to what you were saying about you're part of the same atoms. That's exactly what you're. You, if you think about it that way, you're never really apart from them anyway. You're always. Yeah, absolutely. They're always going to like exist in some form, and you're always going to exist in some form. And it's like 100%. it's a big universe, but it's still finite. Yeah. Do you do you have a preference of like is there some like ideal situation that you have that you hope that it is? I don't know. I kind of I like the idea of I don't, I don't know. I've gone back and forth on different things. I remember as a kid I always wanted just 
just like that heaven that classic heaven yeah. and then the idea of forever and ever amen just step <laughs> and i was like well there's gotta be what but what's after that well, totally it's like well there's got to be it's back to that structure and purpose you realize that the most fulfilling things in life is having a purpose and so, so and then you're gonna multiple the cloud, <laughs> yeah the, the, without that it's like imagine just being on holidays forever it's not you see that far side strip it's a guy sitting on a cloud with a halo and wings mm. and the captions uh i wish i brought a magazine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's and that's that's yeah that that's how i have sort of like but then i'm i'm quite comfortable not understanding it just going okay well i'd i'd if there is an afterlife, I don't want it to be something I can comprehend right now because oh, I can only I can only imagine things that I get bored of. Absolutely, and it's beyond it's beyond human perception. My grandpa, it's like one of the funniest things anyone's ever said to me when I was young. I, I was like, you know, what do you think happens when you die? And he goes, I don't know. I'm a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> like but that but that the like, humility in the i don't know like you can look at that as a that what i love about that sentence is he can look at you can look at that as a, like an atheist can look at that and go exactly right or a religious person can go look at that exactly. and go exactly right like it's yeah, not yeah yeah determinative like you can you can believe what you want none of us know because no we're all essentially fancy monkeys no one fucking knows and it's like i think that the yeah i mean the older i get the more profoundly grateful I am to have been raised that way. Like I didn't realize, obviously at the time I just, it was just normal, mm. but I know so many people that are whatever ex Catholics that are now the most fucking exhausting atheists because they're just shadow boxing their own shit that was put in their fucking head when they were kids and on and on. I, I, I like that. I've always felt comfortable not fucking knowing yeah and just and and kind of having my instinct of what i think is probably i I, you know gun to my head i think we're meat computers and when it's curtains it's like going in it it's like being put under anesthetic and you don't even know you ever existed and that's that that's what i think probably happens you know it's probably it's the same thing as when you crush a cockroach it's just it's gone and it doesn't mean that the vitality of your life is meaningless. It means something, you know, it's what we were talking about earlier on stage. You know, if, if you no longer get the high from being on stage after you're off stage, then all that matters was that time that you're on stage. It yeah, fucking, exactly. It, it's, it matters. And it's, the, I think it's the same with your life. You know, it, it, it's, it's vital and it means something and it means something to the people that, are, that you leave behind. I dream about my grandparents, twice a week they're right they're, and they've been gone for nearly 20 years but they're right fucking here all the time um, it, it doesn't mean it make mean it mean it's meaningless I mean I think ultimately it's meaningless in the scope of the universe I think our lives mean nothing yeah I... <laughs> but it doesn't mean that in the both things are true both things are true it's the most important thing in the world and it's utterly fucking meaningless at the yeah, same time I see my my, in terms of the meaninglessness of it, I I think there's got a. My instinct is, and my what I like to think is that there's definitely a meaning. I have no idea what it is, and but there's like 
when when oxygen atoms bond with hydrogen atoms to make water mm. they don't know they're doing it mm-hmm. so that so maybe we're just bigger versions of that we maybe. don't maybe we've got a purpose and we have no idea what it is and we're just doing it without even realizing we're fulfilling the purpose absolutely like the, the gut flora in your in your intestines you know they're helping you digest things and they, they don't have no, idea, they you have no exist. idea that they, yeah that you exist you know bill bryson put it great in his book he was you know the microbes in your body outnumber your cells three to one so they make up a very big part of you or from their perspective you make up a very small part of them. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a thought that's going to fester. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're going to have to stop it because I reckon this card's almost full. Right. Um, mate, thank you very much for that. That thoroughly enjoyable chat. Before we go, now I will get you back because we barely... Yeah, I know. You've just I feel like for, we only started in the last half hour. I know. <laughs> we... You uh, you just don't for Doug Stanhope. There's a whole bunch yeah. of, and you got a million stories that I want to dig into. So we'll get, uh, yeah, we'll definitely sure, get man, you back sure. soon. Um, before we do though, plug these beautiful social channels that you're now. Uh, ben Elwood, Ben Elwood Comedy Instagram. Elwood is with two L's. Yep. Ben Elwood Comedy Instagram. I don't. Re- that's all I'm kind of engaged doing with. at this. Stage. I got a Twitter. It's probably the best it. place to find. Like that's. The one I... Putting out clips. I do a podcast. Yeah. Well, I, I have a podcast series called Thank God for David Attenborough where I talk to uh, biologists and scientists and all kinds of stuff and we have great conversations about the meaning of life and, and the universe and all kinds of shit. And Beautiful. That's a lot of fun. Uh, and other than that, listen to the Mug Off feed, the Mug Off podcast. Uh, me, the great Eric Hutton and Mug Off host Jared McGowan talking to the legendary Doug Stanhope. Two of those three I will be getting on this podcast. And uh, Doug, if you cross your fingers, maybe you'll get on here one day too. (laughs) Thanks very much for doing it. Yeah.